Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PaveStep. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and HR leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have a lot to hear. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. So let's start with you. Tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Awatif. I am the founder of All Horizons LLC based in Chicago. We look at leadership skills and how to enhance those skills in organizations. Now, if you go and Google leadership skills, you will find many definitions of it. We like to define it under three main pillars, and that's people leadership, business leadership, and strategic leadership. Each pillar consists of certain skill sets that are required to become a holistic leader. That's what we do. And depending on the needs of the organization, we move and we develop from one leadership pillar to the next and cover all those various skill sets that are required to become a good leader. Especially as millennials uh, become managers within younger organizations, leadership is definitely something that is on top of mind for a lot of executives and business owners today. Yeah, they help uh, sell the business case for us. Right. So today's focus will be on performance management or performance development. But before we get into the nitty gritty of it, I think it would be helpful to start defining it. So what is performance management or development in your mind? How would you define that? So those are two different things. Performance management looks at your goals, your smart goals, or your actions, or your, your tasks for the year, and tracks progress on those tasks and looks at the achievements and how they measure against your KPIs and what have you. So basically, the performance management piece is backward looking. So you look at past, what happened in the past, in order to define where you are right now. The development piece is forward-looking, looking at the history of the actions, the challenges that you have gone through in the past in order to get learnings and to be able to close any future gaps. Those are two components that make up what I call talent pipeline management, because it's everything from your goals, how you, how you track those goals and where you are, all the way into the future and how you map your career in the future. Okay. So you call it talent pipeline management? Yes. It's got more than just performance. It's more than just development. It's actually really looking at your entire talent pipeline. How healthy is it? So Mm -hmm. the succession piece or succession planning development is also tagged into that. So it's more than just a performance. It's performance plus, 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 you know. So, so if we want to stay on topic of performance management and performance development, right? I think, you know, this is obviously an area that PaveStep is in as well. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, traditional performance management, which typically had revolved around annual reviews, have been known to be very ineffective. And from your perspective, what are some of the biggest problems you see? Okay, so here's some news flash. This is my personal perspective. Annual performance reviews are not a bad thing as long as they're not done in isolation. So more and more companies are going into this regular check-in models and it could be weekly, 
monthly, quarterly, whatever your regular check-ins are. And it really depends on the business and on the industry. It varies from industry to industry. The whole point is that you have regular check-ins and then your annual one is no longer a surprise. The annual one takes all the regular check-ins that you've done throughout the year and consolidates them and it becomes a complete report of what's happened. So even the company do the uh, regular check-ins, they still have the annual performance review. Right, because they have compensation or promotion cycles that they need to still do every year. It's like company planning. You have to have a budget and you have to have some uh, certain uh, calendar or timetable that with your company planning, right? So the annual review, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not saying take Mm -hmm, it off, mm -hmm. but don't do it in isolation. Don't have, don't, don't let it be the only check-in point certainly should not come as a surprise to everyone it's it's just tying any loose ends or what have you but people should know pretty much how they're performing um throughout the year leaving it to to the year and really causes unnecessary anxieties and uh, you're not giving the person a chance to adapt um enhance um uh, tweak you know and 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 get better basically Yeah. And this is super interesting because I 100% agree with you. I think annual reviews themselves are not a bad thing, but in isolation, they don't work because of recency effect and all these biases that come through. And I 100% share your view around having continuous feedback or check-in throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, you have a more formal discussion around, okay, what have you done? And then you figure out what you want to do from a performance development standpoint going forward. So I do definitely think annual reviews are not a bad thing. It's it, but it should be complemented with ongoing conversations, whether it's a check-in yeah. or whatever it is. And I've read so many reports and uh, white papers and statistics that companies who've actually got rid of them altogether, they were not doing any better. So right. um, the, the regular um, check-in and then the, 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 the formalization of it at the end of the year is, is the way to go. Right. And I think a few years ago, there was a lot of talk about these you know, household names, brands that were, quote unquote, getting rid of performance reviews, but they weren't really right. What they were doing was complementing it with continuous feedback or continuous check ins and then still having those conversations. But because that sounds less exciting, <laughs> you see a lot of these headlines were like, we're getting rid of annual reviews, uh, which wasn't really the case for a lot of companies. It's just rebranding. Exactly. So you talked about performance management and around goal setting. How do you think about goal setting? What are some of the philosophies that you think are most important when it comes to setting goals for employees? First of all, it's not setting goals for employees. It's setting goals with employees. Um, and we've all heard about smart goals, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, specific, measurable, attainable time relevant and time bound so that that's fine you can you can um you can do all that kind of stuff the way i think this uh, is more effective is when you set uh, with a particular employee or each employee at the beginning of the year or maybe around this time even before the beginning of the year so you sit down with your manager and you agree with him or her what is it exactly that you're going to do next year? And I'm not talking about job description. The, these are the, not the daily work that you have to do, but these are extra projects that you need to do. So you sit and you agree with your manager all those projects. You agree with them all the resources that you need to complete those projects, being extra team players or, or trainings or what have you. 
So I'd like to agree with the manager at the beginning of the year. And you can actually take this step even further by agreeing with them what will be your compensation or your reward should you achieve all your targets. It's all about negotiations. And you can agree with your manager that this is what I'm going to do. And if I complete everything, then I'm expecting this kind of reward, be it training, being, be it uh, monetary, be it promotion, be it uh, involvement in another bigger project, whatever it is, you agree with them at the beginning. This is what I'm going to do. If I hit my targets, this is what I expect. Uh, and if I overachieve my targets, this is what I expect. And the line manager can also agree with you. Well, if you don't hit your targets, this is what's going to happen. So that would be ideal case scenario where you're able to agree on, you know, what your work streams will look like over the next 12 months or even six months. How do you balance that with certain companies or certain roles where it's extremely difficult to forecast what you're going to be working on next, right? Because it's so agile. Of course. I mean, and that's where the regular check-ins come in and you can always amend. So goals typically, you know, company plans, uh, people who do company plans or when I used to do company planning, we would do it in terms of budget, money, allocations and all that. You do it for two years in advance. So you, you lock in your budget for the next year, but you have you, when you submit your company plan, it's not only for next year, it's for next year and the following year. And sometimes people go out five years. It's all projection. But if you know where your strategy, where your company strategy is going, it should, it should align somehow. You know, there'll be things here and there, um, you know, industry change, you know, industry shockers right. <laughs> or things that happen that you do not plan for those happen but generally speaking you have a company strategy and that's not going to change year on year or two years or three years down the line so when you sit and you agree with your manager your goals for next year those are goals for next year they should be close to reality as possible And if they're not, because you're only planning for next year, you're not saying what I'm going to do in two years down the line Mm -hmm. or three years. You're just planning for next year. And 12 months, it's easy to plan for, right? I Um, think that's the case with mature companies. But I think startups especially have a pretty hard time setting that, not just because of time, but because strategy itself is extremely agile. Exactly. And things fluctuate. Things change, especially with startups. It's always changing. Those regular check-ins are are necessary to validate your goals and see if your goals are still attainable and they're still smart. If they're not, then we need to tweak them. The more specific you are at the beginning of the year and do the check-ins throughout the year, the better it is for everyone. So I want to touch up on this, which is you know, smart goals, what are some of the bad ways to use smart goals or what risks have you seen with smart goals? Because one of the things that I've worked with different professionals on and the biggest question they have around smart goals is, you know, some organizations or some roles specifically like an accountant or a finance group or an IT group, right? It may be difficult to set very good smart goals because if you think about salespeople, it's very easy to come up with smart goals. Whereas I think some of the other roles that have less quantitative direct impact on the organization sometimes have a hard time figuring out what the SMART goals could be. True. I agree with that. Things that you can put numbers against, whether it's sales, volume, market share, whatever, those are easy to to measure and to track. So the problems I have seen, first of all, putting, putting a goal a smart enough goal, let's call it smart enough goal for organizations or industries or startups that you have a lot of things changing or changing all the time. That's not to say we're not going to do anything or we're not going to have a smart goal. 
start with a small goal and then see how you can make it even smarter throughout the year if you mm-hmm. can. Problems I've seen with smart goals is, first of all, either they're not specific enough, they're very generic, and then it becomes uh, very hard to track it because it's very generic. The other problem is it's over enthusiasm, I guess. <laughs> they are, the attainable piece of it is off. In startups, maybe they're very keen. Maybe they haven't done their research uh, well. And they uh, set up specific goals, but they are really difficult, almost impossible to attain during that specific time. So those are the two uh, things that I have seen in the past, the the specificity of it, and then how attainable, how realistic is this? How really can we achieve this goal? Um, Nothing is written in stone. I mean, have a frame and work around that frame. And there's nothing wrong with saying, well, this is what we thought is going to happen, but we're changing strategy. We're we're, going to do something different. That's not a problem. As long as you uh, communicate it, as long as you talk about it, and uh, nothing is set in stone, basically. Um, Right. And I think that's where continuous check-ins and continuous feedback is extremely important because you're able to figure out, okay, are we still on this goal? or objective. And if we're not, we should figure out a way to pivot. That's one of the biggest benefits of having those check-in or feedback conversations continuously. Exactly. We talked about statistics and how easy they are to to measure numbers, but there are other intangible targets maybe that you can still tie into your goals. For example, customer satisfaction. Right. Um, And there's so many... um, applications, CRM applications out there that you can use to track this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a statistic, but it could be a, a result, uh, a good comment. Um, there could be other ways to track goals, even if it's not tied into a specific number per se. Yeah. And I think one other thing I want to mention here and get your thoughts on is a lot of organizations confuse between you know, KPIs or OKRs, right? So much more result-driven type of goals versus competencies or things that people are working on. And we like to separate the two. The first is something like hit, you know, $10 of sales or whatever it is. And then the other things are skills or competencies that employee needs to work on in order to achieve those results. And I think a lot of the times companies focus on the former, but not the latter. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's just because numbers are easier to, um, right. you can plot a nice graph on it. And right. The other stuff is a little bit harder to highlight maybe. But yeah, I see more and more companies. It, again, it depends on what values or what, what is it that you're trying to achieve. Some of the goals might not be directly linked to a number, but uh, they might open opportunities, business opportunities or uh, introductions or what have you. So those should be able to be rewarded too. I think we'll probably need another few episodes in order to cover a lot of this stuff more in depth. Where can the audience find you and your thought pieces? So it's uh, the company is ourhorizons.com. Uh, That's where you'll find me. I'm on all social media. Twitter handle is our horizons, um, LinkedIn, Instagram. But yeah, I'm all over our horizons. Uh, you should be able to find me.com. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for turning into working with people by PaveStep. If you like this episode, feel free to check out others on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thank you.